0: You're tuned into an all new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett and Brian Scott Rippey's coming up in just a little bit. And today's guest is David Johnson. He's back for a recruit check. We need to talk all about some women's recruiting. But before we do, Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Mosquito Marshals. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have first-hand experience. Mosquito marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping-pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshals online at mosquitomarshals.com. Mosquito Marshals, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshals.
2: You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss spirit podcast with Ben Garrett.
0: This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippey at BS Rippey. If you haven't already, subscribe. Rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. When you do, leave a five-star review. Don't care what you say, five stars. Five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit. Olemspirit.com, the 247 Sports. As does Brian Scott Rippey. And today's guest is from the Ole Miss Spirit. It's David Johnson making his grand return for a recruit check. We're trying to make sense of things right now because Ole Miss is, I think, in the eighties in the two four seven team rankings right now. Hard to make heads or tails of it, considering that Arkansas, Missouri, they've got first year head coaches and they're doing better. So what's going on? Not a lot of answers, but we're gonna to try to figure it out. What's up, Ribby? How you doing? Not a whole lot. Just uh positive
3: vibes show only, right? I've got yes. some uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, positive vibes only. So Oklahoma, ninety-eight players tested yesterday, zero positive cases. Penn State, I think, what, one, somewhere in the hundreds, zero positive cases. Uh, they've, I don't know. I'm just throwing out positive numbers. I think we're getting football in some form. Not sure what it looks like. But uh, as you pointed out beforehand, they have figured out that, like, you know, they figured it out that the bubble stuff, like, it works. It's just everything around it.
0: Tuesday was a moody show, and I apologize. It was my fault. But today, positive vibes only until we get to recruit check and then you hear from David Johnson. But for now – Positive vibes only. And that is encouraging. The bubble stuff is proven to work or be effective so far. Now, we don't know what it's going to look like yet with the Major League Baseball bubble or with the NBA bubble, but those are pro leagues, and they get paid. The Northwoods League is a college baseball, summer baseball league. Those kids have to have NCAA eligibility. They're not getting paid, but they're keeping those kids playing. They're quarantining. They're following all safety protocols, and it's working. College football, on a bigger scale, that could work. But it does bring up the question of fair compensation for them to be assuming such risk and also proving that they are the most essential people on campus. So if they're the most essential, they should be paid as such. Now, maybe that bleeds into name, image, and likeness. We don't know. But you're right. The bubble stuff, especially when you sort of look at the numbers and the lack of positive cases because these kids are being quarantined or they're being watched over so closely – That lends itself to football in some form or fashion. And that's all we're looking for here. And if you're Ole Miss, you desperately need it. Because you need to be able to show kids on the recruiting trail, this is what we look like. Apparently, because otherwise, I don't understand why Ole Miss is doing so poorly. It's hard to make heads or tails of it, like I said earlier. I don't really follow the whole struggle for a staff that we all expected to do really well. Three good in-state recruiters, led by Derek Nix, who's been in this state for over 10 years. Chris Partridge, his recruiting reputation precedes him. It's a really strange terrain for them to be trying to canvas here for prospects. But still, I thought we'd be seeing a little bit more success. i to be honest. Even with all the restrictions, and when you look at other schools and similar predicaments, and they're doing okay.
3: Yeah, this is going to be a fascinating topic of debate that's non, thankfully non-virus related, I guess, in some ways, where you're just not talking about cases and what to do. But a fascinating sports side debate of this is like how, like, I'm trying to think of the right phrasing here. Like what can they be held responsible for and whatnot? Like how much of this is quote unquote their fault if the recruiting kind of continues on this and how much of it is just, and what are you going to do? There's a pandemic going on. And one of the fascinating sides of it, I guess, is to your point, you look around Arkansas, Sam Pittman, still signing kids, still doing pretty well. Like how much responsibility do you lay on them when the dust settles, whenever this class is signed? whether it meets expectations or not. Like, how responsible for that are they?
0: It depends, I guess, on what a Sam Pittman does, what a Mike Leach does, other first-year coaches in this conference. But Ole Miss, up until earlier this week, when they got that commitment from the cornerback out of Alabama that I talked about with David, were last of all Power 5 teams in recruiting rankings. And you can say rankings don't matter to a point I agree with you. But when you're last, last of all Power 5 teams, Not just the SEC. Not just 14th in the SEC. Last in all P5s. Nothing about this is normal. To where I think that this staff was operating, or at least through evaluation, was operating as normal as possible. Where guys they might not otherwise have taken so early, they refused them as they normally would. When maybe, when you're trying to build a class amidst these remarkable circumstances, you take that kid, right? You take that kid, but... Ole Miss hasn't done that. Now six of the top ten kids in Mississippi are off the board. One of the top ten kids you had was MJ Daniels, and he is blowing up right now. Ole Miss is in the top six for that kid. That's great. But can you land him? Antonio Harmon was thought to be a slam dunk eventually for Ole Miss, and George is putting up a fight. That's all coming with David, but you're bringing up a really good point. What can they be held responsible for? At the end of the day, no matter what, even unfair as it might sound, in a pandemic, the first pandemic since 1918, this is a results-oriented business, is college football. And that sounds terrible. And you want to give everybody the biggest benefit of the doubt you can. But no one's going to feel sorry for you. And I've heard it come out of the coaches' mouths before in their interviews on Rep Talk with David come because we don't get to talk to them for some reason. And in these interviews, you've heard them said, no one's going to feel sorry for us. No one's going to feel sorry for the results we uh, bring to the field if they're not good. No one's going to feel sorry for us for anything. And that's college football. That's the reality. So what can they be held responsible for? Well, while you might want to give them the benefit of the doubt, and I agree with you, I'm one of those people. They tell you, and everybody knows it, it's all about the results, man. No excuses, just results.
3: Agreed, because there are a thousand excuses you could make, and this is obviously a different type of And they'd all be fair. I'm talking about for Matt Luke getting in a 2020 season, right? You could have made plenty of excuses. Some fair, some not, right? I mean... At the end of the day, though, it's a results oriented business, that you mentioned, and that's why they made a tough decision to move on. So, yeah, at the end of the day, they're probably still going to shoulder the blunt, brunt of the blame if the class doesn't pan out. But it probably deserves, I guess, when you judge them in the long run, because the staff presumably still has multiple years here, uh, that at least this particular one is viewed in the proper context. But I just don't so is know where they're going to, to it? go. I don't know where they're going to say- go. I find it interesting you brought up the Sam Pittman thing, right, and the Mike Leach. Do you look at Leach more so than Pittman? Because Pittman came from Georgia, very similar recruiting footprint, you know, a lot of continuity there to where the guys Kiffin brought in, as we mentioned on last – a couple shows ago, I guess, aren't necessarily recruiting this region of the country. Some are, some aren't. But, like, is Mike Leach a better gauge to where Ole Miss gets beat out in recruiting this year class ranking loss by Mike Leach? That, to me, is a way bigger indictment than if Sam Pittman nips him by a couple spots.
0: Especially when you consider that Ole Miss has Derek Nix, Deke Adams, and Terrell Buckley, all of which have been recruiting the state for a long time on their staff, and you are not landing in-state kids. Now, of course, there's the, as we call it on this show, recruiting infrastructure that isn't quite there for Ole Miss after everything that's happened. Not like it used to be. So you do have to face those challenges from schools that have that built-in infrastructure, and it's been humming for so long, completely uninterrupted. Now, I want to say one thing, and David brought it up, and and I wanted to wait for David to come on to talk about it, but it's a really good point. It needs to be addressed. Regardless of how you feel about Matt Luke as a coach, as a recruiter, he's pretty tough. And having him at Georgia, he's coming after guys in this state. He has a long-held relationship with Antonio Harmon, and when you got that Georgia G on your shirt, and you've got that relationship, that carries clout. And that's something that Ole Miss is having to deal with as well. So there are a lot of things at play here. A lot of things that go against Ole Miss on the recruiting trail. At the end of it all, results are all that matter. And no one's going to feel sorry for you. And Ole Miss is in the 80s. And and I wonder how much they could actually climb by the end of this. How far can you realistically go? Because when you're coming in, Everybody in a normal year would say, oh, this staff, I mean, slam dunk, top 25 class. Hey, man, they, maybe they can get the top 15. Now, what is reasonable? What is acceptable to you? And I don't know what that number is. I don't either. Where did the where did this last one
3: finish at? I can't remember off the top of my head.
0: God. Around the
3: 40s. I was about to say, wasn't it high 30s, something like that, around 40? Some, yeah. I mean, you got to make a jump from that, don't you? It's got to be. I mean, they need to be pushing top 25, right? Like, if you're in the 26 to 33 range, maybe you kind of get a little more slack. But outside of that, it's kind of like, yeah, what are you doing?
0: That's a long way to go.
3: But you still have a lot of time. Because it, 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 another thing, not to bring the whole nauseating COVID stuff back into it, but do you have a December signing period? Like, what is, does the ca- how, how does the calendar get affected? Does that buy them even more time? Uh, you
0: think so yeah exactly <laughs> there's
3: just so much unknown here like yes it is alarming but at the same time it's like your classic oh, don't worry about this in july quite yeah but it is something worth
0: monitoring see i was at the point where when people were sounding the alarm in march april may oh it's spring chill but we're talking about mid-july you're turning around and getting to august in two weeks almost was supposed to be going to camp That's not going to happen. No one believes that's going to happen. So if the season's not going to start on time, if you're even going to get a season, and and I don't want to bring it up, positive vibes, but if you don't get a season, where are the opportunities? Because if you're not getting kids on campus, not to mention that Ole Miss already has built-in disadvantages, not just only from recruiting infrastructure, but also in the current heated political environment. Ole Miss and the history it's had to go against in recruiting even despite all of its progressive steps. That's ratcheted up even more right now, and you can't get kids on campus to prove them wrong. Which lip is service, a huge
3: selling point for any school, but particularly yeah. Ole Miss, in terms of getting kids on campus. Yes,
0: yeah. lip service only goes so far for Ole Miss. You have to get the kids on campus, and you can't get them on campus. And that's hurting you. So what expectations? What is fair? What is um, an acceptable number for you, the Ole Miss fan, for where Ole Miss ends up in recruiting? If that number is... 38? Remember, they're in the 80s right now. That's a long way to go. But I would say that 38 is the borderline number. You just have to figure out what number is acceptable and what number, wherever they end up, makes you worry going forward. This is a staff that we were told and billed as a really strong recruiting staff, and I still believe that, but the results aren't there. And a lot of that, almost all of it, I would say, has to do with the fact that they lost the spring, in-person contact, all their summer camps, not getting kids on campus. I agree. That's impossible to recruit to. But some schools with first-year stats have figured it out. As Ole Miss fans, you have to adjust your expectations for a recruiting period. But how much do you have to adjust? How much does your number or whatever you think or whatever you deem is acceptable, how much does, do you have to move off of that to get to a place where you can accept it? And I, I don't know where that is. To me, that's mid-30s, but that's a long way to go.
3: Agree, and they're going to move up, right? I mean, this always happened I mean, Matt Luke had a couple of these, right? Like, they're not staying. No, not, like,
0: not, 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 this not, not 80s. Not 80s.
3: I don't even think it'll be remotely close to it, though. I mean, there's a certain point where you just kind of are what you are as an SEC program. Like, you'll get down into the 40s, I would think. Anything you know above that, it's kind of like, whoa, what happened? Um but, yeah, I don't know. It's a fascinating discussion. The complete non-sequitur about the uh, positive vibes. I, did you know NASCAR had 20,000 people attend a race last night?
0: No. Yeah, they
3: did. Someone And it seemed to work okay because the, the stadium seats 160,000. Yeah, they had 20,000 people. Now, someone flew a Confederate flag over in a plane. Kind of a bummer there. But outside of that, it seemed like it went pretty smooth.
0: 20,000 in a stadium that seats how many?
3: 160. Those NASCAR okay. track – like seating is huge 160,000 yeah, yeah. people
0: yeah okay you can socially distance 20,000 pretty good in a stadium that big so what does that mean for a 65,000 seat stadium 8,000 i mean how do you compare 20,000 and 160,000 seat stadium how do you compare i don't think you're ever going to get fans in college football games this year i just don't but that's being negative i'm sorry I am going to just be bullish whether it turns out to be true or not. I'm not, I'm not even going to – I'm tired of the pessimism. Yeah, they're going to get football. Sure, put it Put it on the docket. It's happening. They're going to get football. I don't think you'll be able to attend. But if you do get football, that at least means you're getting TV revenue, and that keeps schools afloat. It, it doesn't help them thrive. It doesn't help them operate normally, but it keeps them from going under. It's just uh, about the survival course. right now, and it's the same thing in recruiting for Ole Miss. It's just about survival right now. You can't have a complete loss class just as you can't have a complete loss season.
3: But that was kind of the the mindset to the last class too, wasn't it? Just try to piece together what you can. Like eventually I guess what I'm trying to say here is if that's the mindset again and pandemic probably justifies that. But man, doesn't that put a ton of pressure on that next one, the 2022? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean which is going to be a fascinating storyline for us to like monitor and cover or whatever. But the amount of pressure for that class, I mean, that's kind of like Hugh Freeze 2013-esque, right? Like in the sense that, like, like I guess the expectations going into the recruiting cycle weren't that high. But he built it up and closed, closed pretty well. Like it seems like it has a similar type vibe.
0: The procurement of talent is different now as far as its landscape because of the transfer market, which is going to only evolve from here on out. Because that one-time penalty-free transfer while it got punted to 2021, it's going to go into effect at some point. And once it does, it's going to create a free agency of sorts. And all these G5s and FCS schools that aren't going to get football because all of those games have been canceled with the Power Fives, those players should be allowed to leave and go wherever they want. And there are going to be some kids some stars on those teams that go and land at big-time schools and make a name for themselves and not only up their draft billing, but help you out. And I think Ole Miss will be actively involved. They've proven that they're already going to be actively involved in the transfer market. Now, getting two kids from Canada, yeah, they got good resumes, but that's Canada. We don't know what they're going to be like in the SEC. Jacob Springer, he has to sit out a year. He's from Navy. He was productive. It's a step up in level. I think it's better for Ole Miss that he's not immediately eligible. That might be a hot take. But I think it's better for Jacob Springer and Ole Miss and what the production they can get out of him for him not to be immediately eligible because they can put him in the system, they can get him acclimated, and take that past production and ready it for SEC play, the rigors of SEC play. Otis Reese is a guy you can hope can get immediately eligible. If JT Daniels can go from USC to Georgia for no rhyme or reason be granted a waiver, then Otis Reese should be able to go from Georgia to Ole Miss. Yeah, happen. you just
3: brought up exactly what I was going to bring up. It's like you're already essentially kind of at the free agency thing for like major guys because JT Daniels getting eligible. It's just like – I think he should be eligible. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against it. But, but like, on
0: what grounds from the inside. Yeah, exactly. What
3: is your case? So like you're basically there anyway for major guys and big-time cases. But you're right. That is coming, and that's definitely going to shake up how things are how business is done as well.
0: When you see who gets immediate eligibility waivers granted to them by the NCAA, see if you catch a pattern here. Justin Fields, Tate Martell, JT Daniels, and the guys that are denied that had legitimate cases like the offensive lineman at Virginia Tech, Brandon Hoffman, even though his mother had had surgery for a brain tumor. What's the pattern? Oh, it's quarterbacks. It's not only quarterbacks, but it's quarterbacks going to blue blood programs. They get immediately eligible. On what grounds? It doesn't matter. (laughs) Whatever they want to do. Because quarterbacks make the money. Quarterbacks make the headlines. And if you think the NCAA, the backwards-ass institution that it is, is not considering those things when it's granting those waivers, that's what's happening. So Otis Reese doesn't matter as much to the NCAA. They can deny that and pretend like they're the guardians of the game when, in fact... They're just showing you again their hand in exploiting and um, utilizing the different tools at their disposal to suppress and control the labor force. That's all it is. Of course, JT Daniels got eligible immediately at Georgia. But if JT Daniels, in a fair system, in a consistent system, in a precedent-setting system, can get eligible at Georgia, then Otis Reese should be a slam dunk. Hell, Robert Allen for Ole Miss basketball, and Ole Miss has applied for an eligibility waiver for him. He should be able to get a waiver. And I guarantee you he doesn't get it just because when has the NCAA ever shown consistency with any of this stuff? Never. What I would love to see, this pandemic has been tough on everybody. And there are far greater concerns in sports. So I don't want to diminish or in any way minimize the impact of COVID and what it's done to this country. Through the lens of sports, let's say this. If we, at the end of this all, can finally expose the NCAA for the sham organization that it is and Power 5 schools finally feel comfortable enough to break off from the NCAA? Man, that would be one very small outcome in the grand scheme of things. But in our world, that would change the game completely. And finally, to rid ourselves of this terrible, terrible, corrupt organization. It just, it'd, be, it'd be beautiful. Out of all the miseries, because it's Positive Vibes Only Day, so out of all the misery, there's a positive? Get rid of the NCAA. You don't need the NCAA. You don't need a ruling body. You're pretty much about to have free agency. Let's go.
3: Yeah, and that's why you saw the name, image, and likeness stuff finally kind of budge in terms of progress and momentum. I right? know it's it because yeah, because they're, they're, it's a fear of them becoming obsolete. That wouldn't have happened if they still had the kind of power they thought they or that they had a decade ago. In that sense,
0: they are obsolete, and we keep seeing it. But the defenders of the NCAA, like Dan Wilkin, Dennis Dodd, Pat Forty. They're going to fight tooth and nail to protect the NCAA, which I will never understand because that goes against completely what your journalistic responsibility is supposed to be. I don't pretend to be a journalist. I'm not. I write for a team site covering sports. What we do isn't journalism. We're not on the front lines of war. We're covering sports. So stop pretending like you've got some journalistic integrity. The reason why you're defending the NCAA is because that's where your sourcing is. They're manipulating you too, just like they're manipulating their own rules to ensure that a JT Daniels gets eligible at Georgia – because that's what fans want to see. They don't care about Otis Reese at Ole Miss. They do care about JT Daniels, Georgia, and Pat Forty and Dan Walker and all They're gonna keep churning out those stories in favor of the NCAA and defense of the NCAA, not recognizing that they are manipulating your own built in narcissism and your own built in inflated sense of self to pass their own backwards agendas. But as long as you get to send out to your Twitter followers, well, I am a national writer for USA Today. Hey, man, that's the trade-off for them. They're fine with that. You want to stroke your own ego? Cool. Let's leak a story about a kid that damages the potential case for a kid that should be getting eligible at Ole Miss compared to JT Daniels of Georgia. Because Pat Forty and Dan Wogan, you're not diving into how in the world JT Daniels is eligible at Georgia while other kids that had legitimate reasons get denied. You're not diving into it like a journalist would do. Instead, you're just celebrating how awesome it'll be for JT Daniels to be the quarterback of Georgia. That's all you're doing.
3: Yeah, I'm pretty disrespectful of you to spit on the Gannett badge, bro. Protect and serve. Do you know what he went through to become a Gannett columnist?
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Get fired, let go. Excuse me from the commercial appeal. Have a Twitter following and be cheap labor. And USA Today said, "Hey, big following, cheap labor. Boom, Dan Walkins on the on the uh, payroll."
3: Let's go. Speaking of that whole like self-righteous, holier than thou, I'm awesome because I write for Gannett and have a Twitter following. There was a moment yesterday where Twitter almost died, as we know it. Did you pay attention to this?
0: That voice you hear is Brian Scott Rippey. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Alan Samuel's Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon, hit an add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership... As Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels, Cries for Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Self-isolation, quarantine has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them cheney's pharmacy they've earned your trust you can count on them cheney's pharmacy offers prescription synchronization immunizations compounding a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time cheney's also accepts all third party insurance it's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in oxford over 40 years cheney's pharmacy provides the best customer service out there hands down Give Cheney's a call 662-234-7221 or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at cheneyspharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy. Much more than just a pharmacy. See, this is what's so beautiful about my day yesterday. I played terrible on the golf course, but a friend of mine who I had not gotten to spend enough time with lately, we finally got to uh, go out on the golf course and just hang out for a little bit. We got out there at 4.45, played nine holes. We were done. It was terribly hot yesterday. I, it was just miserably hot. I was wearing a Titans t-shirt, and man, it looked like I jumped in the pool. And then my buddy Zach shows up from work. He, he works in Oxford. He drove into New Albany. He didn't get there till 6.15. Well, he's ready to go. We were ready to be done. I'm like, okay, we'll give you four holes. Well, of course, we play nine more. We play nine more. It's dark when we're driving off the golf course. And I didn't check Twitter. I didn't check my phone. I had so many missed texts. I think one from you, one from Colin, a few from my brother. Missed calls. And I looked on Twitter, and the first thing I see, because wasn't Joe Biden and Barack Obama and a bunch of other big-time Jeff Bezos. Yeah, Jeff Bezos. That's the one I saw first. All these guys with huge followings, they had the same message. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And then I started scrolling through. Because this is like six hours of not being on Twitter, which is an eternity on Twitter. But it shows you that you don't need it. You really don't need it. You don't need Twitter. It's corrosive. It's terrible for people with mental health issues. I was going through it. And I was i was reliving it late last night and laughing my ass off. I had no no clue what was going on. Only to see like Bunky and a couple of others just having a field day. Because what happened, like apparently a Bitcoin scam hacked these people, all the verified accounts. It wasn't just those guys. Those are the first ones I see. Everybody else, all the verified accounts almost went under, man. It, hackers, I, I don't understand what the hack was for. I feel really bad for the people that clicked those damn links, though. Think about it. There's, there were people out there, they love Jeff Bezos, and they said, oh, Jeff Bezos, uh, yeah, let me click on this link. Where'd it take them?"
3: I mean, I guarantee I'm not the first person to point this out at all, but like you, you had to have known it was some kind of fake thing when, you know, Jeff Bezos, the first sentence of the tweet is I've decided to give back to the, the community, <laughs> right? Like that's gotta, that's gotta throw up a red flag. I don't know. Pretty, pretty wild day. I thought it was going to be the end of Twitter as we knew it. Like if the, if the hackers had really wanted to it in the end zone, they would have just pulled the plug on the whole operation.
0: How did you feel when you saw Twitter falling apart? Did you feel relief? Because I did. I was relieved about the potential to not have that in my life anymore.
3: It was like, please, hacker, nerd guy, take this drug away from me. Like, that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Cause yeah. I mean I need to get we, I was talking about this with someone the other day. It's impo- like Twitter is like the perfect function of like like in terms of you getting like hooked on it, is because you have to constantly be on it to keep up with any sort of trend that goes on there. So in order to be like twitter savvy you have to just be a slave to it which is just absolutely terrible for you
0: what i decided to do to take a step away i've been on facebook in three years instagram is the worst thing for mental health instagram is a nightmare but twitter it's all the time it's the first thing you check in the morning it's the last thing you check before you go to sleep that's an addiction i've been re-watching the wire that's what i've been doing lately i feel like bubbles man you know i wanted to get clean I thought I was gonna do it, and I was kind of doing it yesterday. Played six hours of golf, and I get back on. And what's the first thing I do? And I think I Over see my Twitter. yeah. I think I see my end to finally get out, and I can say, well, you know, I'm worried about my own security or whatever, my computer and the hack. It's scary, and to get to the end and for that relief to immediately be zapped and go right back to where I was. It's like in season one or season two of The Wire, when he was trying to get clean. He'd done it for three days. Keeman gets shot, and now he's back on it, man. The relief was there. I thought it was done. And then I get to the end of the timeline, and we're back up, baby.
3: Yeah, and if it had gone down for good, there would have been this weird like, collective sound across the world, and you had been like, what is that? And it's just everyone's deflating ego. Congrats on your 23,000 Twitter followers. You can fill up a quarter of a tiny football stadium. <laughs> you are not a brand.
0: I told my mom that a couple of days ago. We were eating lunch, and – I said, I'm thinking about getting off Twitter. And my mom went, wait, wait, you got you got a pretty big following. I said, Yeah, yeah what does that matter? Twitter don't pay. So If I, I ever it, fully
3: get out of this industry, I'm out.
0: I I'm should. out. I used to say I was on Twitter because I love following baseball, Major League Baseball in real time. And getting breaking news, which is what it's there for. But what's the benefit compared to what's the trade off? What's the benefit compared to what it's taken away from you? If you found out that Yasiel Puig Signed with the Braves, which is what I did late. I went and bought a mower a couple of days ago. Got on that mower. Zero turn. Got on that mower at my house. Immediately mowed my yard. I got two acres, man. It's a big yard. So it took me a little bit. I was just listening to some music. Not checking the phone. You can't on a mower. Well, you might not know this. Have you ever mowed a lawn in your life? Yes. Okay, well, that's good. I'm actually surprised. You Jackson kids, I don't know. So I'm i was on a jackhammer,
3: too, not to brag.
0: Dude, there's no way you handled a jackhammer. Oh yeah.
3: I had to work manual labor, first summer college job. It was actually back at my high school, and we were doing we were building a new brick wall and tearing one down. And I wasn't big enough to actually operate this ninety six pound air what I'm hammer. Saying. And so they put bricks in my pants so it would go down into the ground <laughs> easier.
0: <laughs> oh, it sounds like the jackhammer's as big as you, man. I love you, but ow, ow. Anyway, so I'm on the board. Awful. I'm I'm blowing and going. I had so much fun on the zero man. I'm having a blast. And I get off and I check my phone because that's what you do. And I don't even get on Twitter, but my text message just blew up. I got Bennett Hip, who's co-host of this show, my brother. Puig to the Braves. I found out late. I mean, hours late. Okay, so what did I really lose not finding out immediately that Yasiel Puig was a Brave? That was awesome. I love Yasiel Puig. I was excited. But I was just as excited hours later. What was the What's the benefit then of being there just so you can see it immediately? It's this instant gratification stuff. It's having to have it right now. You don't have to have it right now. And there's something incredibly freeing about getting your breaking news like we used to get it. Because you're younger than me, but back when I was in high school, we didn't have any of this stuff. So that's how we found out. We knew about when Matt Luke was fired, the night the decision was made. We knew about it before they went and had the team meeting. Back then, you found out a day late, and there's something freeing about that, because your life is not, is not controlled think- by what's happening right now. Do I have to know what's happening right now all the time? I I yeah, long for those days, those days of, hey, uh, what's happening with the government? I hadn't heard from the government in a month and a half. I long for, hey... What's happening with uh, this program? How's State doing in recruiting? I don't really care how State – I've never really cared how State's doing in recruiting. You get you know what I'm saying, though? There yeah. would be much less of a distrust with the
3: media if there wasn't just this constant urge to, I have to have it right now and put it out because it, you, you don't take the time to be careful and actually get as much time to be careful and actually get things right. And I'm not the uh, media's lying guy. I mean, I work. No, but the it's industry. true though. I 99 of people do an incredible job, but there is such a urge to be first and get it right now, which is kind of ironic because you don't really ever own a story anymore for longer Never. than 45 seconds because it's Never. aggregated and just eaten alive from within. But there would be much less of a mistrust with the media if there was no Twitter and the news cycle slowed down a little bit in the sense that like you just aren't constantly seeking more and more information. And then second off, I think Twitter has done more to just just. Dis- destroy the national discourse more than anything because yeah i mean any asshole that can read and write and make an account can just get on there and say whatever the hell they want and it's just absolutely awful and it tricks people into thinking it's actually a reflection of real life
0: yeah i've had to get you to remind me of the stats what are the stats again it's like what? Like like
3: 20% of the population's on Twitter and then like 11 is active. It may be even less than that. I'll look it up. But yeah, I mean it it, it it's minuscule. So like your little tweet that got like 30,000 retweets, like congrats man, 98% of the world has no idea who you are. <laughs> that's, Not that's a what clue it is. and nor do they care. That's the thing like you get all these scandals on like everything, like the latest scandal or the latest boycott or whatever is on Twitter where someone's had to issue an apology. I I think about my parents and grandparents who aren't on it. They don't like it's the end of the world in some people's world online, but like ninety percent of the country doesn't know it happened because they aren't on Twitter.
0: I did not know what was going on with the Bitcoin stuff at all. I had I was oblivious to it completely. Completely oblivious. And that was so free, man. And I'm a victim of being one of those people that's just trying to get the information out quick and not vetting it through as many sources as possible. This happened when Matt Luke was fired. And I had a coach call me, coach of a kid that Matt was recruiting. Matt was in his home and the kid found out about him getting fired through Twitter and asked him in his home about it. And Matt had to basically say, I don't know, I don't know. And I put that out there and I put that out there incorrectly in a rush to be first. For what reason? For what reason? For my own ego? And Pat Forty took that Incorrect information. That was my fault. I screwed up. But Pat Forty took it and used it as a little anecdote in a story he was writing that was pretty much anti-Ole Miss, as to be expected from Pat Forty, in regards to firing Matt Luke. So that's the danger of Twitter. And what are you doing it for? What's the benefit? I don't know how we got to this point, but it's an interesting conversation. We're positive vibes only today, and we're shitting all over Twitter, but... That is
3: my version of positive vibes only. I'm a it big is proponent vibe. of blowing
0: it up. Yeah, a positive vibe is go play golf. Go do the thing that makes you happy. You're not going to miss anything. And whatever you do miss, you're going to find out about it later. Hearing about stuff through word of mouth is so much more freeing. Hearing about Yassiel Puig becoming a brave through a friend of mine was so much more freeing and so much more enjoyable and fun than hearing about it, or reading about it in a tweet from Ken Rosenthal right when it happened. Of course, the story behind how that news broke was awesome. Some fan was at the battery, and he sees Yasiel Puig walk out of a hotel, and he's like, I don't want to be the guy that's one of those dudes on Twitter that says, I think Yasiel Puig's about to be a Brave, but I just saw Yasiel Puig. and Puig to the Braves, and he broke the news. That's, that's fun stories. <laughs> it was hilarious. He goes, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm
3: 99% sure Puig just walked out of the Omni.
0: It's impossible not to know who Yasiel Puig is if you're a baseball fan and you see him. It was Yasiel Puig, and he breaks this news, and that's great. That's a cool story. But it's a cool story. It's a cool moment. You don't have to be living in that moment. What we live in these days, man, is the fear of missing out. That's all it is. Instagram is all about FOMO. We look at people and and, and look at their lives through the filters they've created on Instagram. And we wish for what they had. And it deteriorates your relationships at home. It deteriorates your relationships with your friends, with your family, with your kids. Twitter, same thing. You feel like you got to be plugged in. you got to know what's happening right now. Well, what's happening right now around all this stuff, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, what's really happening is life. You're missing out. How do you want to spend your time? I have not gone and played. I haven't done anything as far as hanging out with my friend Flood in months. And me and Flood have been best friends since I was in second grade. And finally, we just decided to get together. We're going to go play golf. And he put on a show. He kicked my ass. And I've been playing pretty regularly. And he kicked my ass. And it was great because I got to hang out with my friend. And then I get back, get back into the muck. But my day was spent more constructively because I had face-to-face time with a human being rather than my phone. So you want positive vibes? Get off your phone. I promise you, you're not missing anything. And And you're not going to convince anybody to change their political views or their religious views or their views on anything by your tweet. I'm not telling you to back off all the way because, heck, for me, it's a drug too. Take days where you back off as much as you can. And later in the day, you can see what all the fuss was about. But you'll be alright. You'll be alright. I don't know if Ole Miss is going to be alright in recruiting. What's acceptable to you? Omis did jump 12 spots with a commitment this week, so let's talk to David Johnson for a recruit check. Before we do, see you, Rippy. Yeah, just to fully contextualize this,
3: 22% of American adults are on Twitter, and the top 10% of that 22% accounts for over 80% of all tweets. So uh, very, very, very loud vocal minority. That being said, check me out on Twitter at BSRippy. See you next time.
0: <laughs> I'm Ben Garrett at SpiritBit on Twitter. <laughs> Both Rippy and I write for the Omic Spirit, affiliate 247 Sports subscriber, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. When you do, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. David Johnson rushed for the Ole Miss Spirit 2 and he's here for a recruit check on the Modern Woodman phone line, and we're going to him right now. But let's first hear from Modern Woodman and BNA Bank. Are you tired of working 9 to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool, we'll
2: talk. No big whoop, no big whoop. Where the best old-miss guests from far and wide
0: drop in to talk the very latest in rebel sports.
1: <laughs>
0: modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. Going out to of the Modern Woodman Phone Line for a recruit check. And it's been a while. But he's back. It's David Johnson. Hey, man, it's good to hear from you. Hey, good to be back, Ben. Thanks for having me on. It's been what? Months now. I mean, I, I used to call <laughs> you up and be like, David, I have nothing for this podcast. I need a recruit check. I need you to tell me about recruiting. You're sounding good, man. You feeling good? You feeling okay?
2: Yeah, you know, still having good days and bad days. Uh, still waiting for my voice to kind of come back uh, full-fledged. Uh, that hasn't happened yet. Uh, still sound like I'm hoarse all the time, but... Uh, that's getting a little bit better every day as well.
0: Are you falling back into the groove of this great fun job we've got going right now in the middle of a pandemic? You
2: know, I don't know about falling back in the groove. It's kind of hard to fall back in the groove considering the circumstances that uh, everything is taking place in right now. I mean, it's July, middle of July. And usually, man, we're, you know, we're two weeks away from the start of fall camp. And while uh, officially – We're two weeks away from the start of fall camp. I don't know if anybody believes that thing is going to get kicked off on time. And uh, we really don't know what uh, the next couple of weeks are going to hold for us uh, as Greg Sankey and the SEC and governors from around America figure this thing out and try to decide what they can do this fall. Um, I'm not anticipating the season kicking off on time, not anticipating fall camp starting on time. I hope I'm wrong, Ben. But you and I have talked about it before, and I know you're kind of at the same spot.
0: I am, and I know it's much further down the list of priorities. But recruiting-wise, when you think about this, they got a December signing period coming up. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you hold that. I don't know how you hold one in February.
2: I'm not sure you will hold one in December uh, simply because, uh, you know, these kids, they haven't had a chance to visit these campuses. I've talked to several prospects this week. You know, even a guy like Elijah Sabatini, who committed to Ole Miss at the end of June, he's never stepped foot on the Ole Miss campus, ever, because of this COVID situation. Uh, Antonio Harmon has pretty much shut his recruitment down, not because he knows where he's going, but because he can't go see anybody or or go anywhere to take visits. So he's just focusing on his ACT right now. Really not worried about coaches because uh, – you know, it's, it's, there's almost an element that it's not real right now, Ben, for these kids. I mean, they can't go see the place that they're going to spend the next four to five years until the COVID restrictions are lifted, and nobody seems to know when that's going to happen.
0: They don't. And I don't want to go too over-the-top on COVID stuff today, because I swore to myself this would be a positive day. But you can't get <laughs> around it when you're talking about recruiting, right? And, and the reason why yeah, I bring up— Yeah, hand it goes
2: hand-in-hand.
0: Yeah, and the reason I bring that up is because Ole Miss recruiting is really struggling. Yes, they picked up a commitment, and we'll get to that in a second, this week. But other schools, other coaches, even first-year coaches, are also dealing with recruiting a pandemic and seem to be doing better. What do you think is behind Ole Miss's, I don't want to say struggles, but we're midway through here?
2: Well, the Ole Miss class right now is ranked 84th in the nation, which is an improvement from where it was just a couple of days ago, they were the last ranked Power 5 program in the country just a few days ago. Now, you mentioned they picked up a commitment out of, from Trey Washington, cornerback out of Hewitt-Trustville over in, in Trustville, Alabama. Uh, that bumped them up some 12 spots, so now they're up to number 84, still 14th in the 14-team Southeastern Conference. It's the middle of July. There's reason to be concerned, absolutely. Exactly what those reasons are, You know, I I can't put my finger on the exact reasons as to why this class is struggling so much for Ole Miss. Uh, There's only one in-state commitment. That is Elijah Sabatini, who we just mentioned, from Biloxi. And uh, I think six of the top ten prospects in the state of Mississippi are already committed elsewhere. So there's not a lot of cream in the crop left when it comes to the state of Mississippi which amplifies the importance of getting a guy like Antonio Harmon, which at one time I felt like Ole Miss had an extreme inside track on. I will say this, don't underestimate the power of former Ole Miss head coach Matt Luke in luring Harmon to Georgia. Harmon has a special relationship with Luke, and uh, Luke is recruiting him for Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs, and uh, would not surprise me if they were able to steal him from the state of Mississippi. That's not to say Ole Miss is out of things. That's not the case at all. I think Antonio Harmon likes Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss was his first love. We'll just have to see how that one plays out come December. Uh, But, uh, you know, Ben, historically, I've just always felt that you've got to mow the grass in your home state first. And, uh, you know, the numbers tell us we don't have to have an opinion on this The fact that there's one in-state commitment in the middle of July tells you all you need to know about the state of Mississippi right now.
0: We'll get right back to David Johnson in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about LB's Meat Market, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Talk of Champions is thrilled to welcome LB's Meat Market as one of its newest sponsors. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi, the place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six ounce bacon wrapped filet for $10. They got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. And that's something to me that just does not compute because you have three guys in Deke Adams and Terrell Buckley and Derek Nix especially that have been recruiting the state for a long time and yet you only have one in-state commitment in a class that's not particularly deep for Mississippi. It's just more concerning than that because of the lack of commitments and the lack of any really momentum with any number of guys.
2: Yeah. Let's don't ignore the elephants in the room here. Not only the, the COVID pandemic and you know, what, it, how it has wrecked recruiting in college football, you know, you can, you can come back and say, well, look at Arkansas, look at Missouri. They have first year head coaches. They're dealing with pandemic issues as well. They have, they have top 35 classes. Um, but, you know, there's also a political aspect of recruiting it on this, And, uh, you know, don't think for one second that's not in play out there, you know, on, on the recruiting trail, because it is. It's being used against the university, um, you know, in, in intimate conversations between coaches at other institutions and prospects. And, you know, we don't like talking about it. It's not a comfortable thing to discuss. But the fact of the matter is that plays into things as well.
0: Especially when they can't come on campus and you can't, yeah, they can't um, see yeah. for themselves, right? Because you—that's not something that's new. That's not unique to this recruiting cycle. Ole Miss has always held, had to deal with that. It's not new, kind of yeah. but
2: but it is inflamed right now.
0: Yeah, and they can't dispute those things in person, which is where you bring people on. And they go, "Oh my God, I didn't know Ole Miss was this nice." What do you do then if you're Ole Miss to gain some momentum, to build some momentum here?
2: You get commitments. That's what you have to do. You you know, I mean, they dropped. Uh, they dropped down to the bottom of the pile with Power Five schools earlier this week with a decommitment. And, and I think that they felt a little pressure. They, they go out and they, they real trade Washington in, right, you know, the very next day. Uh, I, think, I think that's what you do. You've got to build that momentum by gaining commitments. And I think that's going to happen. I think there are some really good targets out there. Uh, one in particular, I think, that will be a rebel by the end of next week. And that's Malachi Bennett, the wide receiver out of Fairfield, Alabama. He's rated as a four-star prospect by 24/7 Sports. Looks like right now it's down to between Ole Miss and South Carolina. Uh, talking to some sources out in South Carolina, even they feel right now that Malachi Bennett is going to be a rebel. You've got to get more kids in this class. A six-man class, hard to catch fire. You know, turn six yeah. into twelve, and twelve will turn into twenty-four eventually.
0: I think uh, this staff was caught a little bit too being a little too bullish about taking particular commitments because they were operating as if it was a normal recruiting cycle and a normal way to evaluate and stuff. But and they were maybe not turning away kids, but not taking guys that maybe wanted to commit early. Is that fair?
2: Uh, yeah, maybe so. But I don't, I don't begrudge them for that because you don't want a class of twenty-five where half of them are going to be special teams contributors over the next four to five years. I mean, you're trying to hit the ball out of the park with every kid you bring in, that you see something special in him, maybe somebody else didn't, like an Evan Ingram, you know, when Maurice Harris went after him so hard, Uh, a Mike Hilton that Hugh Freeze almost did not take. Uh, You know, you're looking for those kind of special quality kids right now. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more into quality than quantity. I think that's his staff's approach as well. I think they like all six kids that are in this class right now. Um, you know, I, I, I just hate to see you lower your standards, so to speak, just to fill it up. And I don't think they're going to have to do that. If we ever play football, Ben, I think this is a group that can produce a winning record and go to a bowl game this year. And that's certainly going to build momentum and help in the recruiting department.
0: But what if they don't have a season? If you're not playing a season, kids aren't visiting campuses. So I, I just do not understand yeah. how anybody will be able to navigate this and how the NCAA will be able to give these kids the right opportunity to find the school that they're looking for, be it push everything to the spring, even signing. I, I don't know what you do. I will ask you this. How big will this class be if this class ever does get signed?
2: I think 25, 27, 25 to 27 kids.
0: It's oh, capable man, of
2: holding that many. Yeah. That's I
0: mean, a, you're a long, long way to go. To
2: the finish line. <laughs> long ways to go. And the thing of it is, as you pointed out, you don't know how treacherous the terrain is going to be to get there. You, I mean, we, just, we don't know what's going to happen today or tomorrow, much less December when early signing period rolls around. I don't think you're going to have an early signing period. I could be dead wrong on that, but uh, it's impractical. I mean, the NCAA is going to be asking kids to make a commitment, a lifetime investment commitment, without ever having stepped foot. On these college campuses. That's absurd, Ben. I mean, you're a father. You wouldn't want your daughters going to a college they'd never been on before, making that kind of commitment. Uh, They've got to figure this thing out, man. They have to, whether or not they have to set aside one day for one prospect to come on the campus, wear a hazmat suit and a mask, whatever they have (laughs) to do, these kids need to see where they're going to be living, where they're going to be playing the coaches are going to be dealing with before they make that kind of commitment. And I don't know what the NCAA is going to do on that. Their laundry list is long and extensive and that ain't number one right now. They're trying to play football. If they can get that resolved, maybe they'll go on and try to start figuring all this out. I don't envy Greg Sankey. I don't, I don't envy any of these conference commissioners. I think, I think the big 10 and the PAC 12 both jumped off the cliff too early I think the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 have done the right thing in trying to foul and extend the game, basically. That's what's going on here, so that they're going to make a, a, a severely impactful decision at the very last moment that they possibly can, and I think that's the right move by Sankey and the SEC. They want to play football. What I don't understand is this talk of conference-only stuff and things like that. Look, it's no safer to travel to Fayetteville and play Arkansas than it is to travel to Houston and play Baylor. I don't get that. I mean if you're gonna travel, you're gonna be exposed. And and we've seen firsthand. You can't mitigate the risk of coronavirus, COVID nineteen, whatever you want to call it, inside your own building. You can't do it. It's impossible. And um, you know, I I mean that there's just gonna be some risk with this. And um they wanna reduce that risk as much as they can, I understand that. And and, and and that's commendable. But, um, Ben, we, we just don't know. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow.
0: So tell me about the kid that committed.
2: Yeah, Trey Washington. Uh, you know, I think it's a really good pickup for Ole Miss. Trey is, uh, as we mentioned, out of uh, Hewitt-Trustville over in Alabama. That's been a fertile hunting ground for Ole Miss in the past. Um, you know, he's a 6-foot, and 195-pound cornerback, and he will play corner on the next level. Had a pretty impressive offer sheet, been. Now, you know, let's be honest, we don't know what offers were committable at the time he committed to Ole Miss and which ones were not. But, I mean, you look down his sheet, and, I mean, Louisville offered him, Kansas State, Maryland, Memphis. Mississippi State was after him. Uh, you know, and then a whole host of group of five schools. But I think he's a kid that uh, he's not going to come in and make an immediate impact. But two, three years down the road, could be a very solid cornerback in the secondary rotation for the Rebels.
0: What's up with M.J. Daniels? He was at one time a commitment to Ole Miss.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, And M.J.'s kind of blowing up uh, out of George County down there. Tennessee offered him earlier this week. So he's stacking the offers. He's become a very desirable recruit. Uh, Talking to Elijah Sabatini yesterday, uh, he's one of the guys Elijah's kind of focused on. He talks to him uh, several times a week about, you know, joining him at Ole Miss. I think that door is still wide open for MJ Daniels and for the Rebels to uh, to, to find each other once again. But I, I get it. I mean, if I'm a prospect right now, I can't come to campus. Uh, my, my interaction with the coaching staff is very limited. I don't know what's going to happen. I'd back out too. I'd back out and, and take my time because Lord only knows what's going to what's going to occur over the next few weeks and months.
0: Give me five big names to know. If if I'm someone that's struggling as a fan to follow Ole Miss recruiting, not only with the lack of movement, but with the seemingly daily change of prospects that they're targeting, what are the five big names right now that I'd be following if I'm looking for some movement, if I'm looking for some action?
2: Yeah, that's that's a great question. I think right off the bat we'll we'll go back to Malachi Bennett, the wide receiver. Um, that uh, I think is going to commit to Ole Miss next week on, on Friday, July 24th. He's somebody to get familiar with. I think uh, I think that, uh, yeah, you know, and look, he's a top-notch wide receiver. Uh, we have him rated as a four-star. He's a three-star composite-wise, but big, tall, physical-type guy that uh, could fit into this uh, tradition of Ole Miss receivers that we've seen develop over the last decade or so. Uh, You know, obviously, I think the quarterback position is something to watch. Uh, I'd keep an eye on Maddox Cop out of St. Thomas High School in Houston, Texas. Got the Ole Miss offer a couple of weeks ago. Uh, And uh, he's very, very interested in Ole Miss. Plans on getting here as soon as the COVID restriction is is lifted for a visit. But, again, I mean, there's a recruitment right there. It's in neutral right now until things change in this world. So we'll just kind of have to see. Uh, you know, you look inside the state of Mississippi, you bring up MJ Daniels. He's certainly one to keep an eye on. Um, you know, I really like him. I'd like for him to be a part of this class. I think he's a guy that could come in and just make a big time impact right off the bat. Uh, those three just kind of jump out at me. Uh, they need offensive linemen. Uh, you know, you've got some guys who are going to be leaving after this coming season, they've got to replace those guys. And, and not to get off track here, but let me tell you this the last two offensive line classes Ole Miss has brought in, those guys are going to be really, really good. I'm talking about the group that'll be redshirt freshmen this year with Caleb Warren. Uh, might be, uh, Nick Broker's in that group. He'll be a sophomore, but he's in that group as well. But I'm going to tell you something these guys they brought in in this 2020 class Eli Acker, um, Cedric Melton, those guys. Those guys are going to be outstanding offensive linemen, and they're going to have great careers here. But you've still got a couple of spots you've got to fill on the offensive line in this class. And, uh, you know, I I mean, right now, Ben, it's kind of been spitball offering out there. I would just say that, uh, you know, they've got a lot of of offers out. And, you know, as far as the guys to emerge, um, you know, I think that's yet to be seen as to who to keep an eye on. Uh, and then, and then the guys in the state of Mississippi. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, they obviously are going to have to sign more Mississippi guys, and that would be something that uh, that you know I'd be uh, I'd keep a really really close eye on. Uh, I mean, I think they understand now that they need some Mississippi talent. Uh, the top three guys in the state are committed to LSU, Oregon, and Florida State. Hadn't been a banner year for either one of the SEC schools with the coaching changes first year staffs and all that. As a matter of fact, only one of the top ten recruits in the entire State of Indian State School. That's Brandon Buckhalter, former old Miss Commit who flipped to Mississippi State. I think that's somebody to watch. I think that could flow back to the Rebels way as well. So I keep an eye right there. Antonio Harmon, we talked about I mean to me he's the prize of the state of Mississippi and he has been since day one. I've been watching this kid since he was in ninth grade. I've had him had him in multiple camp settings. He reminds me of a young DK Metcalf, he's got that kind of frame. He's got that kind of work ethic. He's already six four, two hundred five pounds. He gets in the college strength program. He's going to play at six four, two thirty, and uh, he is a monster and a, an extremely hard worker. And I'll I'll just go on record. I know there are three guys ranked higher than him in the state. I think Harmon is the prize for the entire state of Mississippi. And uh, right now, his crystal ball is one hundred percent to Ole Miss. And uh, you know I. I'm not how I'm not sure how strong I feel about that. After I had about a 30-minute conversation with him yesterday, I'm telling you, he's wide open, and George has got his ear right now. Ole Miss is going to have to work hard to keep him in state.
0: We'd been hearing for so long that Ole Miss was in the pole position for Harmon, Isaiah Brevard, uh just a number of different guys, and then all of a sudden, just the worm turned. I just, when did it happen? And it can't just be about COVID, man. It just that can't be the only thing.
2: No, it can't be, but you, you, you lost a, a, a staff that had deep, deep connections to Mississippi. Their calling, card, their calling card was Mississippi. And I think you lost a little bit, you know, immediately on the recruiting trail when that happened. You lost those relationships that this staff had built with those kids over the last two or three years, and they're having to be rebuilt. And it, as we've talked about, it's not an ideal time to be out there trying to rebuild recruiting relationships, because there's no faceTime, there's no face-to-face. With these kids, you can't go into their homes. They can't come to see you, and uh, uh, it's not feasible. It's not a climate conducive to to winning over right now. Uh, You know, you can Facetime all you want on the computer or Zoom or or whatever. It's different. It's different than being in the same room with a kid or a coach coming there and sitting down with you, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, and telling telling you all what he can do for your kid if he decides to come and get an education in his place. So you now there's some handicaps out there right now that are, uh, that are just not overcomable. And again, I know I hear this all the time. Well, they're doing it in Alabama. They're doing it at Arkansas. They're doing it at Missouri. I don't have an answer for you. I really don't have an answer for you. Other than yeah. That's what we're trying to figure out right here. here. <laughs> we're doing it in real yeah. time.
0: We're trying to figure it out for you. Yeah, I, I There's the look-
2: extenuating, circumstance of the inflamed political situation that, again, we don't talk about, we don't write about, but it's there. Folks, if you don't think it matters, I mean, it does matter. Uh, Deciding where you're going to play college football, where you're going to send your kids to play college football, it's a very personal decision, and it takes in a lot of different aspects. It's unfortunate, and it's of no fault of their own, you know, and again, it's the elephant in the room none of us want to look at, that this coaching
0: staff has to deal with. Well, one of the last things to let you go, is defensive line the critical need position?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's a critical need heading into this season. I sure would like to see a defensive tackle or a defensive end or a couple of each pop up on the transfer portal um, within the next week or two. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about a spot where, uh, you know, if you didn't know who Benito Jones and Josiah Cotney were last season, you're about to learn how important they were. And I know Benito didn't go out there and make ninety five tackles, but the disruption he created on the interior of those offensive lines was 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 so, so important, and so was Cody, and uh, Kadir Shepherd, those guys they're going to be sorely missed, and yes, I think that's a uh, that's a situation where um, you know they're going to have to find some answers for it this year, and they need to recruit well in the twenty one class for the defensive line. Because most of the time, those guys are like offensive linemen. It's going to take them a year or two before they're physically imposing enough to really make an impact.
0: I will say that this staff has done a good job of... They've really hit the transfer market and addressed some needs. I think they've landed some guys that can actually help them.
2: Well, you never know that until you see them out there in helmets sure. and shoulder pads.
0: Yeah, uh, the Romello Maggio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That worked. Yeah, I it. I, I,
2: I, there you go. I mean... You know, you, you you've got a six foot seven, two hundred and forty pound defensive end who was pretty darn good up in Canada, but Ben, this ain't Canada, and uh, the SEC is quite the step up. So uh, you know, seeing is believing when it comes to the transfer market.
0: I do think that that's how the environment is going to shift in in a lot of ways, as far as yeah, not just Ole Miss but schools, because of COVID and everything that, that uh, everybody's dealing with, there are going to be a lot of guys that are leaving schools and transferring out, and they're going to be granted waivers. And that one time, penalty-free transfer almost went through. It's going to go through at some point. You're going to see the transfer market become almost as important as landing your classes in December. I mean, if you can go get guys oh, that yeah. can actually come in and help you immediately.
2: Well, I mean, and let me ask you this. I mean, there have been some FCS leagues that have just decided they're not playing football this fall. The NCAA should certainly let any of those kids who want to go somewhere where they are playing football this fall be able to go. And, uh, you know, most of them would be in a walk-on situation if they were going up to a Power 5 program. But there are some really good players in the Ivy League that could come in, walk onto your program. Now, whether or not they want to give up an Ivy League education, that's another thing altogether. But, uh, you know, uh, I agree with you. The transfer market portal, and Lane Kiffin said this. He said, it's like it's like the free agent market when you're talking about the NFL. It has become that, and it is only going to further start resembling the free agent market more and more.
0: Well, last thing, real quick, fast you can, where does Ole Miss end up?
2: That is a great question,
0: <laughs> and that's why
2: I didn't answer it immediately. Uh, look, going from 84 to 30, 39, that's a long way to in go. July. That's a that's a that's a big big stretch. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think they'll break into the top 40 with this class. A little luck or so, putting together a winning season, going to a bowl game if we have a season will certainly help in that. But, um, you know, we talked about the top ten prospects in the state of Mississippi, guys who could make you shoot up those recruiting rankings. Six of the ten are gone. So uh, you better get Antonio Harmon if you plan on doing that. Um, but yeah, I could see this. It's absurd to think an SEC program is going to finish below 60. I could see them rallying and finishing inside the top 30, maybe in the mid-30s. Uh, yeah, I could see that happening. It's too early to say it won't happen.
0: Well, it's good to hear from you, and it's good to hear your voice talking yeah. about Ole Miss stuff and not, you know all the other stuff, man. I mean... You know, we yeah, all no missed doubt. you, man. You know that. We've talked about it a hundred times all. all man, I book. missed
2: everyone too. And uh man, I, you know, I'll just uh, take this opportunity to thank you and Chuck and Yancy again for how great you guys were uh to me, to my family throughout the whole process. I think I think you and my daughter Sydney are, are friends now. She asks me every day, Hey, if you talk to Ben, how's he doing? <laughs> so uh so uh here's the new relationships and moving forward. Uh but uh and thank you all and thank all the Subscribers,
0: man. For yeah, You, hanging know, in you there.
2: guys were so encouraging, and thank you all for that. I really, really appreciate it, and it means the world to me.
0: Thank you, buddy. Good to hear from you. That's a recruit check. As best as we could do, we'll do it again.
1: All right, Ben. Thank you.